Uh, good morning again for those who may have missed the announcements. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm the pastor here. Uh, excited to get back into this series with you guys that we've been going through. We've been, we've been in the book of Mark since the start of the year. And so you can see that we've really been taking our time with it, right? Um, but it's been, it's been really good. There's just so many things to pull out of the gospel. You know, a lot of times I think we've done some different different book studies in the past. We've gone through like Galatians and things before, and there's some, there's some great things to take. But man, when we go through one of the gospels from Jesus' life and his ministry, man, there are just so many lessons to take from it. And, and as we've talked about over and over, um, the book of Mark is a fast-moving gospel. So, you know, there's just so much to take out of it. We've been taking our time. Uh, last week, you know, we finished up chapter 5, um, we, had a, we heard a great message talking about these two miraculous healings by Jesus. And there were some interesting similarities between the two that we talked about. Uh, but the most important similarity uh, that I'd like us to reflect on today is the, the faith of those people who came to Jesus for help. Their, their level of faith. See, faith was, it was key here in both of those instances. The woman who had suffered from constant bleeding for 12 years, um, knew that Jesus could heal her. Her faith was that strong. And after she touches his robe and she's healed, Jesus even, he tells her that. He tells her, your faith has made you well. Then the sick young daughter um, supposedly died before Jesus could make it to the house to heal her, but Jesus tells the father, don't be afraid, just have faith. And he continues on to the house, and he, and he heals the girl. And we, and we talked about this last week. These two different stories with one very important factor that's unifying them, and that's faith. Faith is powerful, and faith is crucial to Jesus' work. Now keep that in mind um, as we begin reading in chapter 6 today. Today we're going to be starting in chapter 6 of the book of Mark. So if you'd like to follow along, um, go ahead and open up. Open up your Bibles to chapter 6. We're going to be studying uh, verses 1 through 13. So, like I said, if you have your Bibles, open up to that. Um, and what I'd really like us to notice today as we go through here is we're going to see this really stark contrast um, in people's faith between, you know, the stories last week and some of the people that we're going to read about today. Um, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, we have free Bibles uh, on our welcome tab table, if you'd like to grab one, go ahead and grab one. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and read these, these, these verses, and then we're going to break them down and talk about them, okay? But let me start by, by, by starting in verse 1. So it says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked him, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles. Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people 
And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So the disciples went out, telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. So what do we see happening here in this collection of Scripture? A few, there's a few different things. Okay? First, we see the people of Nazareth unable to accept Jesus for who he truly is. Um, second, their lack of faith... It prevents Jesus from performing all the miracles and the work that he wants to do there. Their lack of faith prevents that. And third, Jesus commissions his disciples to go and spread the gospel and perform miracles as well, to, perform, to heal people and to cast out demons. Now, I, I, I told you, remember, to, to reflect on those miracles that we read about last week and compare the people in those stories to the people in Nazareth that we read about today. At the end of chapter 5, those, those people were, they were desperate, right? They were desperate um, for Jesus' help. And they had faith in him because of that level of desperation. Their faith, their faith was strong. There's, there's this obvious relationship between faith and the work that God does. And we saw what Jesus did with the levels of faith that he saw in the characters last week. Today, we see an extreme lack of faith from people in Jesus' hometown. Jesus, it says, is actually, he's actually amazed at their unbelief. He's amazed at their unbelief. Amazed, and I'm sure he's extremely disheartened at it as well. In his own Hometown, Jesus is rejected. And I, I think as we're, as we're thinking about this story today and we're thinking about, you know, what Jesus is going through here, I'd, I'd like us to think about this question for ourselves today. Have you ever felt rejected? See, every one of us has felt rejected at some point in our life. If we're honest with ourselves, we've, we've all felt rejection. And rejection is difficult. Nobody wants to be rejected because it goes against how we are relationally designed. We're, we're meant to be in fellowship with one another. That's how God designed us. Humans were not designed to be alone, which is why rejection from people hurts us deep in the core of our being. And Jesus experienced rejection as well, just like we all do except he probably experienced it to a greater, greater level than any of us can even comprehend. The Son of God who step, stepped off his throne, stepped into our world to be one of us, he, he was rejected as well. Look, and look at how he was rejected. We go back to those first verses. He left that part of the country, returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. He begins teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him there amazed, and they asked, where did he get all this wisdom 
to, you know, and ability to perform miracles, and they scoff at him. He's just a carpenter, son of Mary, brother of James, Joseph, and Simon. His sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. See, he's, he's a, he, this is Jesus' hometown that he's gone back to. This, these are people that know him. And his fame, though, has spread. He's, he's performed miracles. He's, he's been spreading the good news, proclaimed the coming of the, the kingdom of God, and he's got, he's got all these followers. He's really become pretty famous. But he comes back to his hometown, and they don't acknowledge anything of what he's done or who he is. They say he's, this guy's just a carpenter. See, when Jesus left, he wasn't, he wasn't this rabbi, um, this, this well-learned rabbi. He was just a carpenter. But here he is, he's teaching with this wisdom and authority that the people are amazed that they saw Jesus as just one of them. He's just a carpenter. How is it possible for him to be this knowledgeable without any formal training. He hasn't, he hasn't been educated like, like the, the, the rabbis have, okay? And sadly, rather than opening their eyes to Jesus' teachings and becoming aware of who Jesus truly is, they're skeptical of him. I would imagine there may even be some jealousy involved. This nobody from their small town has become a pretty big deal. Who, who here has seen the movie Goodwill Hunting? Anybody seen that? Um, I, it's the story, you know, for those who haven't seen it, about this, this troubled young man. He works as a, as a janitor at, at MIT. And it's discovered that he, he's hidden his, this genius level IQ, and he's, he's this math genius. And when he gets into trouble with the, the law, this math professor at, at MIT there, he makes a deal with the judge to, to bring him under his tutelage. And there's this scene where Will is working with a few of these distinguished mathematicians, and he shows that he's solved one of their equations. And one of them angrily he gets up and he walks out of the room um, because this guy has spent months or years even working on this thing, and Will solved it overnight. He saw this young man as a, as a nobody, and I'd imagine this may be similar to the feeling of the people in Nazareth when they witnessed Jesus' teaching in the, in the synagogue and the miracles that he's performed. And their envy causes this resentment towards Jesus. So much so that they dismiss him and insult him, you know, saying he's simply a carpenter. Or even this, calling him the son of Mary. See, this is actually an insult here, referring to Jesus as the son of Mary. Because um, it, was, it was actually, it was customary for Jews to refer to someone as the son of their father, not their mother. It may have been meant to uh, just simply dismiss him, or it may have even been an accusation of Jesus maybe being an illegitimate son. Maybe there were rumors in this small hometown that Mary and Joseph had hidden some sort of infidelity uh, we, don't know, we don't know for sure, um, but, we, but what we can clearly see here is that the people of Nazareth, they completely missed out on recognizing the true identity of Jesus. 
the people of his own hometown. They couldn't comprehend that this was the Son of God, ruler of everything in heaven and on earth, because they saw him this way. They wanted to dismiss him. See, in Colossians, this is what it says about Jesus. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. See, but Jesus' hometown, they had their own ideas about who he was. They refused to believe differently. But we tend to see the same thing today, I would say. People still today have mistaken identities about who Jesus is. That he was simply a, a good teacher, you know, with some good life lessons to apply, right? Or maybe that even that he was, he was no more than just a prophet, maybe some sort of demigod at best. Some even think that Jesus is a totally fictional character. See, anyone, though, who minimizes Jesus' identity is missing out. And the people of Nazareth, they missed out big time. As we read on in, in verse 4, we see, Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Just like so many prophets in the Old Testament, Jesus is rejected by his hometown, by his people. It isn't the same as being rejected by strangers. It's worse. See, these are people who know him and know his family. The ones who should have known him best have refused to accept him now. Have you ever felt rejected by people close to you? Friends or family? You know, it's, it's, it's different than being rejected by strangers. It really is. It hurts more when that rejection happens. The closer the relationship, the more that rejection hurts. See, following God's will sometimes requires enduring rejection by those we feel closest to. Because the people who embrace the ways of the world are always going to be in opposition to God. They will reject him and in turn reject you. See, and because of their rejection, he couldn't do any miracles. Jesus limits the miracles that otherwise he would have performed there. See, this verse isn't saying that Jesus is in incapable of doing miracles. Just to be clear, there's, there's nothing that God cannot do. But he can choose to restrict himself in what he does. Because what, what is the purpose of, of miracles that Jesus performs? Was it simply to heal people of their physical afflictions? No, that's not it. Otherwise, he would have healed everybody. There were a lot of people suffering who weren't healed by Jesus. Okay? It was, that wasn't the purpose. It was to confirm his authority and to verify that he truly was from God. To believe that Jesus truly is the Son of God requires faith. It requires faith. 
But what is, what is faith? Now, I'm talking about biblical faith, okay, not this secular idea of faith. Because, you know, secularly, they'd, they'd say it's just like a blind belief in something, maybe just wishful thinking. That's what the world would say faith is. But Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us what faith is. It says, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's a confidence in God and his promises. A confidence that we have because God has revealed himself to us already in creation, through his word, in the, in the person of Jesus Christ most especially. Assurance and conviction comes from seeing God fulfill every promise that he's made. God revealed himself more to his chosen people, the Jews, than any other people on earth. He rescued them from Egypt, if you remember, and, and brought them to, to the promised land. Man, numerous, numerous incredible miracles along the way. And now he's, he's come, he's, the Messiah's come, he's revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. They have every reason, the Jewish people, to have complete faith in him. But they choose not to. And any miracle that Jesus performed was not going to change that because of their hard hearts. And he was amazed at their unbelief. After everything God has done for and through the Jewish people, he's amazed at their unbelief. Sometimes people just refuse to accept the truth, don't they? doesn't matter how much evidence you lay out in front of them. They've already made up their minds, and they're not going to change them. You can, you can debate all day. You can lay out truth after truth, evidence after evidence. Just stack it up in front of them. And if they've made up their mind, they're not going to listen to it. So Jesus went from village to village teaching the people, and he called his 12 disciples together, and he began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them, take nothing for your journey except a walking stick, no food, traveler's bag, money, He allowed them to wear sandals, but not take a change of clothes. So the people of Nazareth reacted with unbelief. But now he's going to call his disciples to demonstrate faith. He's calling them to step out in faith. He's sending them out without any belongings, as you can see here. Anything, completely dependent on God to provide for them. That's That's faith right there. That's a stark contrast, isn't it? This is the kind of faith that Jesus desires, the kind he can actually do great things through. And every day that they see God come through as they're on this journey, as they're they're going and and, and doing what Jesus has commanded them to do, they're going to see God come through, providing everything that they need. This This isn't a calling for the apostles alone, though, okay? This is a calling for every Christian to go out and share the good news. But we aren't sent out alone either. We're sent in his authority, and we have the Holy Spirit work through us when we submit to God. Are, are you intimidated by the idea of going out and sharing the good news, evangelizing, sharing the gospel with people? Is it because you doubt your ability to convict someone? 
Well, the good news is it isn't your job to convict other people. The good news is that's the role of the Holy Spirit. Our job is simply to share the truth of the gospel. God is the one who does the rest. I know that for me, for a long time, I had this misguided belief that, that I needed to be knowledgeable enough in order to convince someone of the good news. And, and that prevented me from, from sharing the gospel with a lot of people in my life. But once I finally realized that I don't have to be a biblical scholar to understand the gospel that only, and that only God can soften someone's heart to the truth of it, that intimidation just disappears. Because the gospel is simple. We complicate it by thinking that our job is to go beyond just sharing the gospel, but it's to actually convince somebody, to convince them of the truth. But that's the Holy Spirit's job. If they've made up their mind not to listen, not to believe, not to have faith, then it doesn't matter what, uh, what you lay in front of them. They're not going to embrace it. Remember the, the parables that we talked about in chapter 4? The, the parable of the soils? Our job is simply to spread the seed. The type of soil it lands in, that's, that's God's job to work with. So reading on in verse 10, Jesus says, Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. If the good news is rejected, they're told to shake the dust from their feet. Shake the dust from your feet. Okay, This was symbolic of what, what Jewish people did when they left the Gentile city. It was a clear demonstration of, of separating themselves from the unbelieving foreigners. But Jesus' disciples now are instructed to take the same attitude towards any who reject the gospel. Even if they're Jewish, even if they're the chosen people, they would now face the same judgment as the unbelieving Gentiles. And so the disciples went out telling everyone they, meant to re- everyone they met to repent of their sins and return to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. They went out. They went out. They did what he asked. They responded in faith. What a clear difference between them and the, the people in Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, who rejected him. They refused to trust Jesus simply because of his teachings. He, he didn't even ask anything difficult from them. It was just him teaching them truth that they rejected. It was too much for them. But Jesus' disciples are asked to do something difficult, to put all their faith and their trust in him, to go out with, with nothing, take nothing with them, no food, no money, to have faith that God is going to provide for them. And, and they did it. They didn't question. They did it. I pray that we, we would all have this same level of faith that his disciples had. Because these, these guys were nothing special either. Fishermen, tax collectors. They were considered a bunch of nobodies as well. But they had faith in Jesus. They trusted that God will provide everything. 
And I pray that we would have the same level of faith, that we would be willing to share the good news with full confidence that God will use it if we simply step out in faith. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, I thank you for these inspiring stories of faith because a lot of times I think we tend to react much more like the people of Nazareth. We doubt. We question. We have these high levels of unbelief in you and the work that you can do, Lord. So, Lord, I I thank you that we can have these, these inspiring stories. I pray that you would truly convict us of who you are and who we are to you and and the work that you can do through us when we truly submit to you. Lord, when we really step out in faith, that's when you will work through us. You're not going to force yourself on us. You're not going to force things through us if we're not going to trust you first in that. Lord, I pray today that, that we would allow anything that you've convicted us of, that we would allow it to, to truly transform our daily lives as we go out, that we would truly shine the light that you've called us to, that we would be willing to, to share the gospel with all of those around us in a world that needs it more desperately now today than ever before. Lord, I pray that anybody who is here today who doesn't know you yet, who does not have a saving relationship with you, Lord, that they would be willing to seek you out, that they would be willing to find truth, that they would humble themselves to that, and that they would talk with somebody here about that very thing, about who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.